This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about glutinous rice. Yes, a.k.a. sticky rice. Uh Uh-huh. Some other name. A.k.a. waxy rice. Waxy rice. That's what it was. I kept seeing that in my search results. And And being confused? Yes. I've got a note about it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And this is in part to honor the start of Lunar New Year, which began on January 25th. Mm -hmm. Is the year of the rat. Lauren just informed me. It's it's a metal rat this year. It's pretty awesome. Heck yeah. The metal rat. And a lot of people, a lot of my friends, actually, I don't want to say a lot of people, they were giving the rat a little bit of guff, and I reminded them that the rat is the smart one who hitched a ride on a bigger animal, according to Lunar New Year mythology. So so it's very clever yes. and resourceful mm-hmm. and lucky. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can see our Lunar New Year episode where we kind of did an overview of a bunch of different foods if you want to learn more about that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually one of my favorite things. I have a group of friends every year. We go and we get dim sum during oh, Lunar New Year, yay, uh-huh. and it's always a wonderful time. It's one of my favorite things. So I'm very excited. I think we're doing it this weekend. Oh, yes. Oh gosh. Yes. I recently had dim sum, and it is as oh, it was. It's it's always an amazing experience. Oh yeah. Oof. Oof. And I love sticky rice, even though every time I'm I'm shocked. Like it's never what I expect it is, <laughs> even though I've had it many times. Um, I had some when I was in China. When I was in China, you used it as like a utensil. 
get a scoop and you'd make like a little bowl with your thumb. Uh-huh. And then you'd use it to scoop food up. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, man. I love any kind of edible utensil. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. And at the time, I was terrible with chopsticks, so... <laughs> so. Very good. <laughs> uh, well, I guess this brings us to our question. Glutinous rice. What is it? Well, a glutinous rice, sometimes called sticky rice or waxy rice, yes, is a type of rice that's particularly sticky when cooked. Weird. Very. Mm-hmm. Botanical name, Oriza sativa, uh, which is just the genus and species of rice, um, variety glutinosa. Yes. Uh, and there are a number of varieties of glutinous rice grown around the world, uh, but all have this genetic oddity that separates them from regular rice, um, where non-glutinous rice contains two types of starch, uh, amylose and amylopectin. Glutinous rice contains basically zero amylose, but a lot of amylopectin. Um, and uh, short-grain rices that are used to make stuff like, uh, like sushi and risotto similarly contain a bunch of amylopectin, but like a little more amylose than glutinous rice does. Right. Anyway. Um, yes, sometimes also called waxy rice. I think because like the mutation that led to this whole starch situation is in its waxy gene, that WX gene, or maybe because like the balance of starches in it makes uncooked grains of uh, white glutinous rice like opaque white. So sort of like waxy looking. Mm. Though they go translucent when they're cooked, which is the opposite of what happens in non-glutinous rice. Anyway, I'm not sure why. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're sticky and wax is sticky. And wax is sticky? Maybe. Sure. We don't know. If there's if there is a reason out there that I could not find, y'all let me know. Um, it does come in other colors, as non-glutinous rice can as well. Um, there's pink and red and brown cultivars and black varieties that go this bright violet when they're cooked. Oh, cool. Super fun, yeah. Anyway, uh, it can be uh, cooked and eaten as a brown or white rice or cooked and then pounded out into a dough, and that dough can be used to make things. Or the dried rice can be ground into a flour, and that can be used to make things. The flavor is ricey, rice-like. It's, uh, yeah. it's a more or less neutral starch, a little tiny but slightly sweet and slightly nutty. Um, often a bit of sugar is added even for savory preparations of glutinous rice. So like if you're getting more of a sweet flavor— yeah. Than on normal rice. That's probably because of added sugar. But anyway, yeah. The texture is really what sets it apart. And it's a kind of sticky, chewy, and and soft, and sort of like mushy, fluffy. Mushy, fluffy. Like like non-glutinous rice tends to go fluffy. Mm -hmm. And this goes like mushy, fluffy. I like mushy, fluffy. <laughs> I don't know what it should be, but it needs to be, like, that's a pet name or something. Yeah, or maybe like a character on Adventure Time. Yes. Yes. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, the reason that you get that stickiness is that um, amylopectin is more water-soluble than amylose. Um, and when it's heated, amylopectin loosens up and grabs up more water molecules than amylose would, um, which means that like a cooked unit of glutinous rice contains more water than an equal unit of non-glutinous rice. So, yeah, that's the soft softness in there. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The starch can also be extracted and used in uh, packaged foods and for industrial purposes, um, like as a replacement for cornstarch or soy protein isolates in foods, and in lots of stuff like uh, cosmetic powders or photo paper um, and pharmaceutical tablets, especially extended release tabs as um, uh, the gelatinous properties of this starch can form like surface barriers within the pill 
in stages as it's digested. Oh. Yeah. Very cool. Super cool. Yeah. Um, which I guess brings us to nutrition. Yeah, why not? <laughs> You're ingesting it at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's about equal to, to regular rice. Um, its nutrition tends to be a little bit diluted because, again, the finished product contains more water than regular rice. Um, it's got a little bit more dietary fiber than regular rice, though. You know, a little bit of protein, smattering of minerals and vitamins. It will totally fill you up, but to keep you going, it's best paired with, like, vegetables and some other source of more protein. Right. Mm -hmm. And another thing, glutinous rice does not contain wheat gluten. Clear as day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Language is hilarious. It is. I, I did find it amusing that pretty much every article I read started with that fact. <laughs> Just so you know, if you're on some kind of health thing or you're trying to avoid gluten, yeah, yeah. you can have you, glutinous rice. Yes, it, it's it's appropriate for anyone with, a, with celiac. Um, though I, I, w I will say anecdotally, I, I had a friend who did have, who, who was um, avoiding gluten for digestive, like like gastrointestinal reasons, mm -hmm. and uh, she, she was set off by some mochi one time, but we didn't look deeply into the incident. Um, maybe the incident. <laughs> That's what you call it, eh? <laughs> I, I, think, I think for her it kind of was, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's not an allergen for anyone who has a gluten allergy. Very good to know. Good to know, yes. Um, and uh, and this this episode is a little bit special in that um, AdOps asked us to work in a, uh, uh, an extra mid-roll. Yes, so our gift to you. Happy <laughs> Lunar New Year. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, um, uh, not, not to complain about it. They keep our lights on. They yes. keep this podcast on the air or mm -hmm. the internet, as the case may be. Um, so we are going to take a quick early ad break for a word from our sponsor. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we are back with some numbers. Oh, yeah. As we said in our Rise episode, which if you haven't heard, this is probably a good primer for this one. It's the one that almost broke my brain. Uh Um, Rice is a hugely important crop, particularly in Asia. It's part of the culture, of traditions, of the cuisine. Harvesting it employs hundreds of millions of people and feeds billions. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Yes. Sticky rice itself specifically is eaten all over, but it's widely labeled a national staple of Laos. Per capita, sticky rice consumption is 345 pounds per year there. Wow. Yeah, more than anywhere else in the world. With urbanization and modernization, eating habits of sticky rice has changed so that some associate it with rural areas and poor people. In a recent study on rice in Laos, over 11,000 of the 13,000 samples collected were glutinous rice. Wow. It's also popular in multiple religious ceremonies across the country, where Terwood Buddhism is the largest religion for things ranging from death, harvest, and rainfall. In the Basi ceremony, for example, communal prayers are followed by throwing uncooked sticky rice grains in the air. And to get rid of bad spirits, an elder of the Laotian people might rub a grain of sticky rice on a dying person. Because it keeps you fuller, longer, Laotian monks um, who don't eat after noon really dig it. I read in Assam, there is a variety of sticky rice that cooks itself called komal sal. You just soak it in hot water overnight, and it's ready to go the next day. A lot of articles out there about this. Ooh, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. During the Rice Harvest Festival in Myanmar, people make these huge walks of sticky rice, like stirring with wooden paddles, huge. When ready, peanuts, sesame seeds, water, oil, and coconut shavings are mixed in. It's also big in parts of Thailand, particularly northern Thailand. India, Vietnam, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, China, Korea, and Japan, especially in desserts like rice cakes. Uh, Yeah, and anytime cake, the word cake is involved, you're usually dealing with uh, rice flour or pounded dough instead of like the whole grains. Um, Though grained rice desserts are also common, like a Thai-style mango sticky rice. Yes, speaking of... Kanyao Mamuang, um, sticky rice drenched in a sauce made of coconut milk and served with mango. Oh, oh yeah. So good. So good. Oh, huh. Jeez. In January 2019, <laughs> the Tourism Authority of Thailand prepared the largest serving of mango sticky rice, weighing in at a whopping 4,500 kilograms, and that is about 9,920 pounds. Ooh. This was part of an event to promote tourism between China and Thailand. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
In April 2015, Cambodia claimed the record for largest sticky rice cake at 4,040 kilograms or 8,906 pounds in honor of their new year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, since this is in honor of the Lunar New Year and you might be wondering, well, huh. Why? Why? (laughs) It is a popular part of the Lunar New Year, especially things like Nyan Gao or rice cake. and From China. Exactly. And we talked about in that episode how a lot of the foods that are popular are popular because of puns, which we love. (laughs) Uh Um, And Nyan Gao sounds like year high in Chinese. And so it's meant to symbolize a higher income and position, healthy growth of children, and all around a better year. Glutinous rice stuffed balls with a paste filling, often sweet bean paste or ground sesame, but can be all kinds of things, called tangyuan, are eaten on the day of the first full moon of the Lunar New Year since their round shape resembles the moon. Oh. I love this kind of stuff. That's great. It's right up my alley. I also love mochi. (laughs) Mochi. Yes. This is a traditional rice cake in Japan made of kneaded glutinous rice, frequently with flavors added in, and it's also popular during the Lunar New Year. Um, yeah, and although it's now common, especially in the United States, to eat mochi as a dessert, um, like chilled and with a filling like ice cream or maybe sweet bean paste in the center, another traditional way of eating mochi is warm um, with a sauce like, again, sweet bean paste. Uh, it can also be served in savory preparations, though. Uh, balls of it show up in soups or on skewers to be grilled. Um, it can also be uh, pan-fried and brushed with um, uh, sweetened soy sauce and then wrapped in, like, crunchy dried seaweed, uh, which is osobiyaki, which is a popular New Year's dish. Ooh, mm-hmm. that sounds good. Lorna and I were discussing before we started that a lot of these things can and should be their own episodes, probably will be one day. Yep, yep. And mochi being one, and in that episode... I'm going to include these things because I found an entire paper about the unrecognized dangers of eating mochi due to its texture and stickiness, getting it hung up in people's throats. Oh, no. I mean, you really never know what you'll find. And that wasn't the only one. I found a second. These are medical articles, Lauren, about the dangers of mochi. But this time, about intestinal obstruction. It had pictures. It had pictures. Dude. Oh. (laughs) Apparently, because most mochi is eaten around the new year, most reported obstructions take place in January, about 60% of them. The average age of the patient is 62. And here's a quote from it. However, it is reported that mochi can expand 5.4 times in the intestinal tract. And guess what? I found another paper. It was in the BBC. Wow. So I mean, yeah, I I would say, you know, watch watch your consumption of dense sticky foods like glutinous rice, you know. Uh-huh. Chew it well. That's what they said. Chew, you know, just chew. eat other foods along with it. I wish somebody, that was a time when the faces I was making as I was reading these articles, <laughs> which I didn't seek out, by the way. They I they showed they up. They found a, you. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. The faces I was making, oh my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, one day we will return to mochi. But for now, we did want to touch on some dim sum dishes. Absolutely, like yeah. Glutinous rice. Zongza, which I love. Oh my God, so Oh, good. yeah. These are um, glutinous rice dumplings that are filled with salty pork and mushrooms, sometimes egg yolks, and wrapped in a bamboo leaf. Oh, And then steamed, yeah. Um, but yes, all my favorite dim sum dishes involve glutinous rice. My personal favorite, I'm, I'm not positive about the name for them in Chinese, but they're, they're these uh, deep-fried 
glutinous rice dumplings that have similar fillings to um, the steamed ones that you were just talking about, your, your ground pork and mushrooms, maybe other veg. Um, but instead of steaming them in the bamboo leaves, you shape them into like little footballs and then deep fry them so the outside gets this super thin, crispy layer. Oh, uh, so it's like crispy and then soft and then savory. Oh, it's so good. Oh, the cravings. Yes. The cravings. Mm-hmm. I love um, lo magai, which is chicken and glutinous rice wrapped up and steamed in a lotus leaf. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and then for dessert, uh, balls of glutinous rice dough that are coated in sesame seeds and deep fried with a, with a sweet filling, maybe like sesame paste or lotus seed paste or sweet bean paste. Those are one of my favorites. I'm yeah. always excited to get those. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Usually by that point in the meal, I'm like, can I eat more glutinous rice? Will I die? Too um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way to go. <laughs> and we've talked briefly about um, eight treasure rice before, and this is steamed sticky rice with lard and sugar added in, and eight kinds of nuts and or fruits, and this is pretty commonly eaten as a part of Lunar New Year. It's viewed as lucky because the word for the number eight sounds similar to the word for prosperity, and it, it's usually quite pretty as well. Mm-hmm. And... This is very cool. Not just for eating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A 2010 analysis of a 600-year-old wall in Nanjing found that a sort of sticky rice soup was part of the mortar mix. Records indicate that this had been a practice in China for over 1,500 years. And it's strong stuff. Some researchers have said walls made with sticky rice have withstood earthquakes, and even a bulldozer couldn't take them down. Huh. So don't mess <laughs> with the sticky rice. I can yeah. see why the mochi is getting caught Gosh. in your throat. Oh. And uh, sticky rice is sometimes fermented into wine, including a variety in Vietnam called party wine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically everywhere that they make rice wine, they yes. also make glutinous rice versions of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Future episode again, because there was a great article on all the different types of fermented rice wine in, in Vietnam. And party wine was one of many. Party wine. I know. You like you do it specifically a big <laughs> vat for a party. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's kind of an overview of glutinous rice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, much truncated. Um, mm-hmm. I, fe- I feel like we could do we could do an episode about every single one of these products we're talking about. Um, <laughs> or at the very least, every single culture that glutinous rice is used. Yes. In. Um, and maybe we will someday, but for now, brief overview, and uh, and we've got a brief history, specifically um, in China, mostly China and Laos. But uh, but yeah, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It is a wise man who marries a wiser woman. 
But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Because Sticky Rice's history hasn't been that well documented, a lot of this one is speculation and based on local legends and regions where it has long been eaten. So disclaimer there. Mm -hmm. But okay. On mainland Southeast Asia, glutinous rice has been growing for at least 4,000 years, according to very recent, actually, genetic mm -hmm. research. Other sources put it growing in China for about 2,000 years and what is now Laos for about 1,100 years. Yeah. Um, it seems that the mutation that created sticky rice happened once. Once. And farmers liked it and selected for it in future crops, eventually creating all of the varieties that are grown today. That's amazing. I love it. Yes. For over 1,000 years, the Chinese have been eating rice cakes for good luck as a part of Lunar New Year. In Beijing, during the Liao Dynasty, from around 907 CE to 1125 CE, it was a tradition to eat a rice cake on the first day of the first month of Lunar New Year. Less than a century after that, it was a common thing among the general population. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a legend about Niangyao's origin in China, and it dates back to ancient times, 722 to 481 BCE, somewhere in there. Uh, this was a time the country was at war and divided, the people were suffering. The capital of the Wu kingdom, Suzhou, built walls to protect their kingdom. The prime minister, however, was not convinced of their safety. He told his advisors, war should not be viewed lightly. The strong wall is a good protection indeed, but the enemy state besieges our kingdom. The wall is also a hard barrier to ourselves. In case things really go badly, remember to dig a hole under the wall. After the prime minister died, his people were besieged with starvation, so his constituents did as he advised, digging a hole under the wall, only to discover the bricks underneath were made of glutinous rice. The first Yangao. Oh, yeah. It's a cool story. Yeah. There's another legend about the origin of Zongzi, those dumplings we mentioned earlier, and that, that legend puts it at 278 BCE. The story goes that on the fifth day of the fifth month of the Chinese lunar calendar, people celebrate the Dragon Boat Festival to commemorate the poet Chu Yuan, who was exiled in 278 BCE for his reforms, and because of that, he threw himself in the river, taking his own life. To keep the evil spirits from his body, the people splashed water, played on their drums, and took their boats out to the river. To satisfy the fish and keep them from eating the poet's body, sticky rice was thrown in the water. Hence, dragon boats and zongzi. When trying to figure out the spread and adoption of glutinous rice, researchers noted that in almost every region the rice has been adopted, people either speak a Dai language or have a history of interacting with Dai-speaking people, though not all Dai-speaking regions cultivate glutinous rice. Okay. Okay. For one reason or another, non-glutinous white rice um, replaced sticky rice in Southeast Asia by the 18th century, but sticky rice didn't disappear and thrived in places like Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, and parts of China. During times when food was scarce, it was a food that helped sustain folks. Mm -hmm. um, and these days, all kinds of research is being done into glutinous rice flour and starch to see how they can be um, treated for greater use in packaged goods, um, like infant foods, uh, puffed grain snacks and cereals, in gluten-free products that need a little bit or a lot of starch. It seems that the um, the exact mix of amino acids and fatty acids and sugars in the exact varietal of glutinous rice can make a huge difference in how the starches act. Um, and, and the way you process the rice, like temperature and grind and addition of other like helper agents, can make or break the texture of the final product. So, yeah, um, be, beyond being something to sustain people, it is, it is now being looked to as a food of the future. Ooh, mm -hmm. that sounds like a display at Epcot. <laughs> Food of the future. You know, they are updating Spaceship Earth, I are hear. They? So we should get in touch with them. We should. Here are the foods of the future you need <laughs> to add in to the ride. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I would be into it. <laughs> Maybe it would just be me, but. <laughs> now I love the parts of Epcot that are, that are about food, for sure. Yes. Oh, yes. That's the best. I wish we could have found more history. We, I mean, I did. I really, that's how I found those mochi articles. Yeah. Just digging. Yeah, with, without going into, I mean, it quickly would have snowballed into, like, a separate history for each yes. of these cultures. Right. And it would have gone on for hours. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of the root history. Yeah. And we will explore more of it um, uh, in future episodes. Yes, and if there's anything you're particularly excited for us to talk about then you can email us and let us know. But speaking of, yes, we do have some listener mail. We do. First, we've got one more quick break, though, for a word from our sponsor. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener Is that fireworks? It's totally fireworks. Thank you. <laughs> Laura knows. I kind of spaced out trying uh, to think about how to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dear listener, like, like before, before we came back from that, like Annie just stared at a corner of our studio, <laughs> and I just lost her. I lost her for a good like second and a half, but it was clear that whatever was happening took a lot longer. <laughs> yes, and it was apparently trying to come up with that listener mail. 
sound effect. So I, yeah, how to do fireworks in a way that's not like screaming, but also Lauren could potentially catch on. Uh, I, I'll give it a middling success. <laughs> you made an effort. I absolutely did. I absolutely did. Thank you. Um, and so this first letter is kind of long, but I love every bit of it. And it's from frequent writer Hannah. We've read a letter from Hannah before. Uh-huh. So hey again, Hannah. Hello. Hannah wrote, I just listened to your episode on ambrosia and decided I had to write in. Growing up, one of my mom's friends, who was from New Zealand, would make ambrosia for all her friends and their families. This ambrosia typically included some sort of tart, yogurty base, lots of blueberries and other berries, chunks of white chocolate, and coconut. Unfortunately, my dad hates coconut with a passion. Even the smell of it in the house makes him gag. Huh. Whenever I ask why, he always gets this glassy, far-off look in his eyes and just says in a soft, dramatic whisper, The 70s, Hannah. That's what did this to me. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, the overwhelmingly artificial, sickeningly sweet coconut-scented tanning oils and suntan lotions of the 70s were enough to scar the man for life. (laughs) Keeping this in mind, my mom's friend was kind enough to make my family a batch of her New Zealand special, Ambrosia, without the coconut. She typically made one batch with coconut and divided it up into small containers for her friends and family. However, since no one else wanted to eat it without coconut, that entire massive batch would go to my family. Ah. Yeah. She warned us that it went bad quickly, but that was never an issue. (laughs) We would dutifully devour all of it within a few days for the sake of it not going bad, of course. Of course. That was my only experience with anything even remotely ambrosia-adjacent until recently when I first went to my boyfriend's house for Boxing Day dinner. He is Canadian. He was so adorably excited for me to try all of his family's traditional dishes, especially orange salad. Orange salad. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word salad, I expect for a leaf or two to be involved. Some kind of vegetable at the very least. (laughs) I was imagining orange salad to be perhaps a lovely fresh spinach salad topped with mandarin oranges, some berries, some chopped nuts, and a nice vinaigrette. Lovely, classy, just a little decadent. Perfect for a holiday starter. Come Boxing Day, I come to the dinner all dressed up and eagerly awaiting this family classic orange salad. But alas, not a single spinach leaf or well-balanced vinaigrette was to be found. (laughs) Instead, what my boyfriend enthusiastically served me, a massive portion of right alongside the potatoes and the ham, was an orange-tinged, off-white, globby abomination. (laughs) Quickly trying to regain my composure and wipe the disgusted look off my face, I cleared my throat and asked, what this was. Orange salad, my boyfriend joyously proclaimed. I physically winced. (laughs) I felt some of my soul wither and die. Uh, Salad? How could this strange lump of gelatinous sadness be salad? I looked down at the lump of what I now knew was the famed orange salad. A single candied mandarin (laughs) orange peeped out from the top of the marshmallowy pile as if to say, see, there is a vaguely fruit-looking ingredient in this. Totally validates it being called a salad. (laughs) I looked at the sticky sweet salad, then back up at my boyfriend's happy and expectant face, then around at his family. I might be a food snob, but I'm not a monster. I ate it. Every last bit of it. Every last semi-gelatinous lump of orange-flavored jello, cottage cheese, marshmallow, and Cool Whip. I took it like a champ. We have (laughs) since been dating many years. I have never eaten this orange salad again. And if I have anything to say about it, I never will. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair, but you—that—that is so kind. Yes. 
yes, I think, you know, you've got to give things a try. You do. And, you know, be polite. Eat, you know, at, at least try to eat what's served to you. If you really don't like it, don't eat it. But, you know. Right. Take a couple bites in. I'm impressed you went for every, every bite. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, Caitlin wrote, My husband Will and I were recently in Charleston, South Carolina, and we noticed pineapples everywhere and were curious. Pineapple sconces, pineapple planters, pineapple door knockers, even giant pineapples instead of lions flanking a doorway. But it makes total sense thinking back as they were all around the fancy historical houses. We also saw them used as a design element in a speakeasy bar in Lisbon, Portugal this past summer. Which is confusing in and of itself. Why have a prohibition-style bar complete with secret entrance when your country didn't have prohibition? Answer, tourists, probably. The bar was called The Red Frog and was delightful. I love the name. Yeah, The Red Frog. Frog. And I like, I, giant pineapples guarding, that's what my dream is. One day, just big pineapples. I'm picturing yours having, like, faces that are, like, making, like, growly anger faces. Yeah, like a kind of a mix between gargoyles and pineapples. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. That's exactly it. That's that's what was in my head. Perfect. We are on the same <laughs> wavelength. Well, <sighs> thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saberpod.com. And we're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks to you for hanging in with us for an extra ad break this episode. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. 
And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.